you're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some of the most passionate, hardworking, and limitless thinkers on this earth who have a story to share, a brand that inspires, or a fire inside of them to live life on their own terms. The intention behind each episode is simple, and that's to include you in these conversations so that you can learn, apply, and grow in your own life and in your business. If I can share one quick secret with you before we begin, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. Tuning into Visionary Life will help you dust off the limiting beliefs you carry around so that you can begin to create your own most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Well, 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 we are back. It's season five of the Visionary Life podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episodes that I re-released over the past three weeks. They were some of our top downloaded shows from 2018 and 2019. So quick update from me before we dive into season five. So I have been traveling a lot, you may have seen if you follow me online, and hence why I needed a little bit of prep time to get season ready season five ready for you. I've been in Mexico, I've been in LA, and I have an upcoming trip to BC. So things have been crazy, but really I wouldn't have it any other way. Travel is certainly at the core of my most visionary life, and I'm really grateful to be able to make it all possible at this point. So my challenge to you today is really to think about what do you want to experience more of in your own most visionary life and how can you start including more of that because if it lights you up I believe it's going to lead you to living your absolute best life. Aside from that, I've been busy enrolling students into the February class of The Visionary Method, which is a group online business coaching program. And if you're interested, that starts in one week time on February 10th. So maybe you have an idea that you want to explore turning into a business. Well, if that's the case and 2020 is your year to get started and make it happen, then I would love to work with you. I've helped hundreds of people launch their businesses and they are now able to have that side hustle to create full-time income, whether it's an online course, a workshop, a freelance business, an event. I've got the program for you to be able to make this a reality. So recently we changed it from a 120 day program to a 90 day or sorry, from a 90 day program to a 120 day program. So you're getting 30 bonus days and I did not raise the price. So head over to my Instagram for more info. I'm just at Kelsey Rydell online. I've got some of the most visionary guests waiting for you inside of season five. So buckle up. It's going to be major. As always, if you're a new listener or returning, thank you. Every time I see visionary life in the top 50 or top 20 or even top 10 on the Canadian entrepreneurship charts, I am amazed and I am truly, truly excited for what's to come. 
This week's visionary guest, the first of season five, is Carly Stein, who's the founder and CEO of Beekeepers Naturals. Founded by Carly in 2017, Beekeepers Naturals is an innovative company on a mission to reinvent the medicine cabinet. Using unique remedies from the beehive, like royal jelly and propolis, the beekeeper-led team is committed to providing the cleanest, most powerful solutions to modern health issues. Things like brain fog, poor sleep, and scratchy throats. They're also a brand on a mission. By working exclusively with sustainable small-scale apiaries, okay, well, clearly should have reread this before I started saying it out loud, partnering with leading bee research institutions and prioritizing pesticide-free hive health above all, Beekeepers Naturals works tirelessly to raise awareness and create a better environment for our world's most important pollinators, the bees. As a beekeeper and a tireless advocate for the preservation of the waning global bee population, Carly is dedicated to using her company as a platform to make a difference and raise awareness for the bee cause. Carly was recently recognized as a game-changing entrepreneur on the 2019 Forbes 30 Under 30 list. This interview with Carly is so amazing. Carly is an eloquent speaker, as you will hear. She is so determined to make an impact on this industry. And she's really diligent about having an epic offer, which is her bee products. And the quality that she stands behind is something that's truly unparalleled. And I think that's really admirable about the vision that she has for her company. So let's dive in to this week's episode with Carly Stein of Beekeepers Naturals. We talk all about the journey that got her to where she is today, living the bi-coastal dream, managing a team, all that good stuff. But we really do start at her roots. And just one more thing, listen up. We have an amazing giveaway happening in conjunction with Beekeepers Naturals products. So if you want to win some of their products, which you definitely do, head over to my Instagram at Kelsey Rydell, K-E-L-S-E-Y-R-E-I-D-L, and you'll find the giveaway on my page there. Quick, before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by my favorite health store on this planet, Healthy Planet. With the best prices, the largest selection, and brands you won't find anywhere else, Healthy Planet is a shopping experience that I truly stand behind. And I know Beekeepers does as well because they sell their products there. A few clicks and I have a box of healthy goodies dropped on my doorstep, or I can head to one of Healthy Planet's 28 Ontario-based stores. And the best part for you who are listening, I'm giving you a discount code. So if you want to shop at Healthy Planet, use code VISIONARY10, that's VISIONARY10, at checkout to save 10% on any online order over $49. And yes, you can use that on your favorite beekeepers products on the Healthy Planet website. So that includes my favorite, the Propolis Throat Spray. It's so good when you have a sore throat or when you're traveling. Have you ever considered taking the knowledge and skill sets that you already have and turning them into a profitable business or a side hustle? That's exactly what I've done to build my brand and now I help others do the same. 
The program that I run three times yearly is called The Visionary Method, and it's modern online business coaching program paired with live coaching inside of a community of like-minded people. It's kind of like a yoga teacher training or a bartending school, except I'm teaching you how to build a profitable online business. The next round starts February 10th and spots are very limited. So head to kelseyridle.com slash visionary method for more information. Carly, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm very, very excited to have you on today. And as I was sharing just before we started recording, there's such a strong support system for Beekeepers Naturals here in Toronto. And I actually just found out that you are from Toronto. So it all makes sense now, but uh, we have so much to dive into today. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I always start the Visionary Life podcast just with some quick fire questions so that I can warm you up and get the audience familiar with you. So why don't we start with the question, where was your first job? My first job. So I, I mean, before I legally could really have a job, I was a nanny. And so I had um, this, this young family that lived on my street growing up and I would go there every, the mom was in night school. And so I would go there every day after school and I would stay there from like 4 p.m. to 9 or 10 and like fully take care for these two little girls who were and are adorable and a little mischievous. Um, and so that was my first job. Do you feel like you learned a, a strong work ethic from that? Because if you were in school all day and then nannying from four to nine, like that's a lot going on for a kid. It was a lot. So I, I mean, I always kind of overloaded myself. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, I'm just a person who likes having a lot going on. So I sort of created these, especially, you know, with sports and I did a lot of extracurriculars. I always had a lot going on and I always kind of had to learn to juggle it. So I think that really helped to position me to handle what I do now. And then in terms of like nannying, I mean, I did everything and I often, I, I don't really, often, I don't often think about how much it affected me today because that's something I did when I was so young. I think I started doing that when I was like 14 um, but I was doing a lot of negotiating with these young girls, you know, precocious kids can be challenging. Um, and I think really it was just the time management piece of it that helped to set the stage for a lot of how I think and, and do things now. I love that you brought that up because I am such a firm believer. And I, I say this to all my clients and students too, that every job that you had as a kid or as a young adult, you must have learned something from that that you can tie into your business today. And I love hearing you say that you learned negotiation and maybe you didn't realize that at the time, but you know, you're picking up very valuable skills no matter what career path you're on. So never discount your past job experiences. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're just, no matter what you're doing, you're learning work ethic, you're learning the value of the dollar. And all of that feeds you in such a big way. And I think the earlier you can kind of start to learn those lessons, the better. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Now, I'm wondering, because I'm always keen to know people or places that have impacted um, entrepreneurs' lives. So is there a person or maybe it's a book or a podcast that you feel has impacted your life on a deep level? Oh, my gosh. So many people and podcasts and books. Um, I mean, my dad is a big one. My dad, he is a lawyer by training and he, he worked in um, private equity for most of his career. And he just kind of always exposed me to things. He would talk to me about what was happening at work from a very young age. He would ask me challenging questions, even little things like when my sister and I would get in fights when we were, you know, 
like six years old, he would make us go to court <laughs> and present our case. So <laughs> he and, and my sister didn't go into business. She's a dentist, so she did not go down that road. Um, but for me, he introduced me to this really interesting world and, and kind of was always giving me small lessons. And um, he's a fantastic mentor to me. And then when it comes to podcasts, I've, I've spent and I still spend a lot of time listening to the Entrepreneurial Thought Leaders podcast. It's really fantastic. It's, I think it started with this, I don't know if it's the Stanford undergraduate program or business school, but they record lecture, a lot of guest lectures, and you can just get insights from some really incredible people, and they tend to go pretty deep on that podcast. So that's a big one that I'm, I'm still learning from. Awesome. I will link that in the show notes, and that's not a podcast I've explored yet. So thank you for the tip. Um, and really oh, quick, oh, sorry to get you off. Yeah, no, no. It's a book, and I, I tell everyone to read this book. It's a book called Mindset. I think it's by Dr. Carol Schweck. I might be mispronouncing that name terribly, but it, it's really just about creating a growth-oriented mindset versus a fixed mindset, and I think that's critically important to entrepreneurship, and it's just something that I think if more people can adopt, it will be a happier existence. Mm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, because I think um, still this whole concept of growth mindset versus fixed mindset, it's not something that everybody has heard of yet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like just being able to put a label on those is so vital to, first of all, being able to recognize which one you are and then being able to change if you aspire to have that growth mindset. So I will link that as well. Um, let's have you complete this sentence. The best part of my job right now is? Interacting with my team, 100%. Ooh. I, I'm like so obsessed with my team. I mean, it's really cool because I get to work with people who I learn from and who inspire me and every single person on the team I, I learn from and am inspired by uh, and, you know, watching the way they show up, watching the different insights they bring to things, the different perspective. It's so powerful. Mm, that's pretty special. And yeah, I hope we'll dive into that a little bit more in the conversation. Uh, and final quick question here. What's one beekeeper's product that you feel like you could not live without? A thousand percent propolis. I, I honestly, thought you'd say that. <laughs> I have it next to me. Yeah. I'm spraying propolis constantly it's like and I, I use it for everything I'm like the Windex dad in Big Fat Greek Wedding like <laughs> everything whether it's a blemish or I have a scrape or I you know feel under weather under the weather or I just did a big workout always spraying propolis well, let's dive into Propolis because I think that is the product that really started it all. So maybe you could take us back to your time in Italy and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is where you had your aha moment regarding the power of bee products. So let's go back there. It definitely is. So I was struggling with tonsillitis. I had recurring tonsillitis. Um, I don't know if any of the listeners have struggled with that. Often people get their tonsils taken out. That wasn't an option for me. I was abroad and uh, it was just really, and I, I'd struggled with tonsillitis pretty much my entire life and I was always sick. Um, and, you know, something like tonsillitis, I would be out of sick for weeks at a time in serious pain. And so I was abroad in college and I got tonsillitis when I was in Italy. So, you know, thinking it's ruining my trip and I'm gonna have to miss out on more I was so bad I was gonna have to go home because I was having a hard time breathing and I went into a pharmacy in Florence and the pharmacist took one look at me and she was like oh you need propolis and I was like okay what's that and she said you know propolis from the bees and I was like oh so honey and she's like no 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 totally different propolis and so I 
like many of us was not aware that the bees did anything beyond honey but I was like you know what whatever I'll I'll try it out and within five days I made a full recovery so it took the inflammation down um my yeah I I pretty much just recovered from tonsillitis and what happened was it functioned in my body the way antibiotics do for most people so it really killed the virus, took down the inflammation, and had me feeling better pretty quickly without any adverse side effects. And so that was really exciting for me because I'm allergic to a lot of different antibiotics. And so typically curing myself from something viral is really, really hard. And all of a sudden I found this like magical product that got rid of my pain, my inflamed tonsils, and didn't cause some kind of crazy allergic reaction. That was my first introduction to propolis. And from there, I started doing all of this research on bee products. And then also, Europe is so progressive with their natural health. So as I was traveling around, I started to see anti-aging supplements with royal jelly and bee pollen would be used on smoothies when I was in Copenhagen. And just, you know, all of these, and propolis was everywhere. Like, I'm talking at corner stores, like not just health food stores. So it was so interesting. There was this great awareness of bee products going far beyond honey and using them in a medicinal capacity. And I had just never even seen or heard of that before. And so I'm starting to use them, incorporate them into my routine, do all this research. And I was feeling better than ever. And I was like, you know what? I found my thing. I'm not going to struggle with terrible strap throat and tonsillitis and, you know, whatever else um, anymore because I found these incredible bee products. And um, then I came back home to finish up college. I went to University of Victoria in BC. And of course, when I got sick, I couldn't find propolis anywhere. I went to like every health food store. Nobody really knew what I was talking about. And finally, I found propolis at a farmer's market. And it was organic and in this beautiful jar. And it was really expensive. And I was really excited about it. And I used it. And I had a really severe allergic reaction. And then I did a toxicity panel on it. And I figured out that there was, you know, a little, uh, there was trace amounts of pesticides. And that was really upsetting because you think you're buying an organic product, you're paying a premium and there's pesticides in it. And, you know, I'm specifically buying natural products because I have a sensitive system and I want to avoid the chemicals and toxicity. And so I was like, okay, there's a problem with the system here. And I started really to dig into bee products and learn about organic and, you know, how that can mean different things for different industries and how it's, you know, really not a great measure of cleanliness for bees because, you know, on blueberries, you can keep them on a plot of land. Even cattle, you can fence them in, but they keep, the bees, you can't put a leash on them. So just because they're on organic land, if they fly next door and something dirty is happening, they're going to likely get exposed to those toxins and bring it back to the end product. And for a lot of people, it's trace amounts. We're exposed to small amounts of all kinds of chemicals that wouldn't really affect you. But for people who are autoimmune or sensitive or have allergies, that can really throw them off. And so for me, it really threw me off. And so I had this problem where I was like, I know what works, I need my propolis, but I can't get it in the quality that I need to be able to use it. And so I was like, well, I don't have any options other than doing it myself. So I started beekeeping literally out of necessity just to get my hands on some clean propolis. And I completely fell in love with the bees. I, I've always been really into nature and you know all animals and creatures. And when I started to learn about, you know, the dynamic world of honeybees and then also the incredible impact they have on the environment, I just became obsessed, that along with learning about the different benefits of their products. So I started beekeeping and I was making all these products for myself and I was, you know, 
not thinking about starting a company at all. I was just really happy with this quirky new hobby. And I started sharing the products I was making with friends. And next thing you know, I had people Facebook messaging me wanting to get their hands on these products. And that was the first moment where I was like, okay, you know, it's working for a pretty broad demographic here. And students are willing to pay a premium for something that's natural when they get sick. Like maybe this could be something, but I quickly shut that idea down and put it in a box and didn't look at it for a little bit um, because it sounds crazy starting a B product company when you're graduating with negative amounts of money. Um, and I had a job offer in the financial world. And so I went into that and I worked in finance for a few years until I really couldn't anymore because I was just not happy. It was not authentic to me and it was not what I wanted to be doing. And so I started, I was living between New York and Toronto at that time that I was in finance and I really wanted to kind of pick up working with the bees as a hobby again, but that's a little bit hard when you're going between two big cities. And so what I did was I bought some basic lab equipment on Amazon and I started sourcing bee products from my mentor in British Columbia. And I started just making bee products in my apartment. And at first I would just kind of give them to friends and, you know, have cute artisanal birthday presents and Christmas presents for people. And then I started standing at pop-ups and markets and people, I started to, get customers who would share their health journey and their experience using propolis and the profound effects it was having for them. And at that point I was like, okay, you know what? Someone needs to do this. This works for a lot of people and I want it to be me. And so that was really when I took the plunge all the all many years after my introduction to B product. Well, I love that you shared that whole story. First of all, amazing. Thank you. You're such a good storyteller. I'm just like, oh my gosh, she could go on forever. This is great. <laughs> um, Honestly, that was the abridged version. I really could go on forever without that story. Well, we still got more time, so it's fine. Um, but I, I really like that you shared that because I think when people look at entrepreneurs and people who have built businesses and brands, it's easy to think, oh, they just kind of were, you know, born to do this and it happened from day one and they never had any other career paths or hiccups in between. But it really just goes to show that like you nurtured this passion and you went on to, you know, take other jobs working for other people while you really were just like marinating in what this could be and understanding um, like what it could evolve into. So it didn't happen overnight. Like you spent many years um, in transition really before this, this idea actually became a reality. So I'm, I'm glad you shared that whole process. Um, was there a time then when you hit uh, a point where you just thought, I can't do both working in finance and trying to nurture this company and like describe that time to us? I hit that point pretty early. So I wasn't even, while I was in finance, I really was not looking at beekeepers I didn't, I, you know, I didn't even have a name for it at that time. I wasn't looking yeah. at it as a company. It was just a hobby, but it was a hobby that kept growing. And all of a sudden I was involved with strangers. I had customers that I was interacting with and emailing with and people were sending me their healing stories and information about their kids and asking me medical questions and like all kinds of stuff. And so pretty quickly I was like, okay, someone needs to support these people as they're trying something new because it's really obviously having impact on their health. And I'm now, you know, I would pull a lot of all-nighters for work and I'm, I'm now pulling all-nighters more regularly than anyone should trying to manage these two things. And um, whole I started, it started like, it was a real slow burn. It wasn't like, it wasn't even remotely close to overnight success. It was literally me 
going to pop-ups and, you know, using FedEx and like mailing stuff from my apartment and Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. And it got to a place where Whole Foods actually reached out and expressed interest and um, Whole Foods in Canada. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, there's no way I could support real product orders. I'm doing this in my apartment. I need to professionalize this. And it was really at that point where I was like, okay, you know, I've got enough customers. I have enough customer feedback and enough data points now that I know that this is really working for a lot of people and helping a lot of people's health in different ways. And a major chain is pretty interested in carrying it. I think I need to make the move. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was really the moment where I left. So I left Goldman end of 2016 and, um, you know, it was Whole Foods had just reached out. It was several months before we did a launch with them, but I took some time to kind of put together a business plan and really get everything in order, set up co-packers and, and whatnot. And then I really brought it to market and I so, kept fixing all the things that I did wrong along the way. <laughs> You said that you you did take time to write a business plan. So at this point, were you enlisting mentors and support systems to really help you to formalize this business idea? Or did you self-teach how you were about to write this business plan? Where did you learn these skills? Yeah, so I didn't enlist mentors. I was actually really secretive about it because every time I involved anyone in my idea, they told me it was crazy, bad idea. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds so crazy starting a B product company, especially leaving something that's, you know, a very good on paper, reputable financial services job. And so when I did talk to people about it, even people I was close to, they would be like, okay, that's a cute idea. But what does it even mean B products? Do you mean honey? Like, what are you talking about? So people didn't really understand. And when I explained it to them, I was not getting a very positive response. And so Um, I started really just keeping to myself and I did a lot of self-teaching. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of listening to podcasts. I think, you know, some of it's intuitive. Like after you do enough of that, it kind of becomes intuitive. You know, the steps you need to take to service a Whole Foods or bring this to market or, you know, build a brand, but it was, and I, it's still constantly learning. And I think that's a major part of my job. And, and I think it's a major part of the job for anyone who's at a startup is constantly seeking out information to grow. Mm -hmm. And I love that you really kind of took it upon yourself to say, I'm going to self-teach because when we have visionary ideas and things that are in our head that maybe haven't been done before, it's so normal to encounter a lot of doubt and naysayers. And sometimes like you just have to continue to nurture your own belief and just say, okay, you know what? I've got Google, I've got books, I can figure this out. And if my belief is strong, there is absolutely an opportunity for this business opportunity, right? So that's pretty cool. There's nothing we can't figure out. And I don't believe that people are inherently better at things than others. It's just more, it's it's just a lack of experience. Mm -hmm. So if you're bad, if you, and, and this is part of the growth mindset thing, I don't even like when people say they're bad at something, they're just not experienced in something. So if you get the experience and you seek out learning opportunities, then you're going to be great at it. And it just takes time. And that's kind of where we lose sight. It's, it's having, it's being extremely patient and compassionate with yourself as you go through the process of developing new skills. Mm-hmm. So you write the business plan and you have Whole Foods that's kind of waiting on you for a response. Maybe take us to that time and then just share some of the other big growth milestones that happened immediately after that? Yeah. So I think I, the, the company really, 
it was all it's so it's such a funny timeline because it truly was a hobby for so long that I honestly don't even know like when we officially started but I think it really started to take shape as a business in early 2017 uh, so that's when we started to well a major thing happened my co-founder joined me oh. so he joined he joined me I guess he's not technically a co-founder if he wasn't there when it started but in my mind, he totally is. And I credit him for so much of our growth. So a big thing for us, for, for me, when I really wanted to bring this company to life was I really wanted to get everything NPN certified. So NPN certified, it's getting a natural product number. And that's how you measure efficacy and basically hold up a product to say that it actually does what it says it's going to do. So Health Canada provides a regulatory structure and you can basically submit products and your ingredients and your extraction types and the claims you want to make. And if they scientifically hold up, then you'll be able to get an NPN number. And for me growing up, I was so obsessed with the natural world, but I was also really frustrated with it because I would buy these products that were sold to me by celebrities or had great marketing or whatever that made big, bold claims and just did nothing. And I was often spending money I didn't have on expensive products you know, left feeling sick or worse. And so I knew the benefits of these products and the science behind them, but I really wanted to get NPN numbers so that people who are looking at things on that level or people who have serious health conditions and need to look for things on that level would have some sort of measure and be able to really understand that these are scientifically validated and they can trust these products. And so a big thing for me was getting the NPNs and I had put all my savings into the company. I could not afford a lawyer. I, that's something that I, you know, wasn't really capable of teaching myself. You do need a degree. And I reached out to my best friend, Daniel, who was working as a corporate lawyer at Tories. And I asked him if he could just kind of help me do this stuff. And he hadn't really done that type of law before, but he was like, yeah, I can take a look and try and help you figure it out. And he was like an extreme skeptic. I was, I was, into juicing and like all the stuff and he thought I was just like a silly millennial wasting money I didn't have at Whole Foods and every, all of the natural products were snake oil so it was kind of nice because he came in with such a different um, disposition and perspective and he ended up helping me out and getting all of the NPN certifications and then when he went through that he's like okay there's obvious science behind these products like this is real and I was like yeah and then he started using them and he also was a workaholic and he was the type of person who would get really sick, constantly had a cold, would go to shoppers or CVS and just buy like every single cold and flu product, which only masked the symptoms and, you know, temporarily helped him and he'd be just as sick a few days later. And so he started using propolis and I remember one night he used it and he got rid of his sore throat the next day. And it was after that he came to me and he's like, okay, I think this stuff really works and I, I really want to be a part of it. And I was like, okay, I mean, you're obviously brilliant, but everyone in senior management has everyone in senior management. This is just me, by the way. It's literally just me at the company. So anyways, I was like, I want everyone in senior management to have beekeeping experience at this early stage so they understand the sustainability component. And, you know, he obviously didn't have that. He had a JD MBA, but no beekeeping experience. It's not quite in the curriculum yet. Um, and so I turned him away and I was very protective of my company and my baby in creation. And he came back to me a few months later and he's like, Hey, I did a beekeeping course. I actually know how to work with the bees now. Can we have a conversation? And I was like, okay, that's dedication. That's incredible. So he joined me. Um, he, he 
basically his role for most of 2017 was on the legal side. And then he left Tories January 2018 to join full-time Beekeepers Naturals as our COO. So, you know, meeting Daniel and beginning to work with Daniel was incredible. It allowed us so, so much of our company is a, our tagline is naturally sourced, obsessively tested and having scientific recognition and building products the way we do. Daniel allowed us to continue down that road and he's just been an incredible addition. So a major milestone in the company's growth was having Daniel join us for sure. Well, I love that. Like, it seems like your vision was very strong right from the get go. And I'm sure that kind of in part came from writing your business plan and just getting clear on what this company could grow into and that you stayed very true to that. So it sounds like the two of you were really starting to trailblaze between the two of you. Did you have all the skill sets you needed to like expand into retail and the production and the manufacturing and marketing and all that stuff? Or did you start to hire things out and grow your team from there? So we didn't have the skill set, but we we had to get them because we couldn't afford to hire people super early on. And just on the subject of business plans, I did social sciences in my undergrad. I had no idea how to write a business plan. And I read tons and tons of books. And yes, I was working in finance. So I, you know, I know how to look at a company's financials. And I think I had a bit of an advantage there. But really what my business plan was about, it was about all the things that I thought were wrong with the wellness industry and the health industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when I say that, I mean both natural products and then over-the-counter products and all of my frustrations as a consumer. And I think a business plan needs to be actionable, of course, but a lot of it needs to focus on the why. Like people really need to get in touch with the why. When, you, when people start a business and they're out of touch with the why, I don't think it's possible for the business to really grow and thrive. And so my the first business plan I ever wrote, it was probably like 50% narrative driven. It was just me talking about all my frustrations and how I wanted to change the system and how I wanted this company to look and what I wish that I had as a consumer from products to cleanliness to answers. Like it's, it was really just what I wanted as a consumer. So, you know, I think people put a lot of pressure sometimes on writing business plans and they use the fact that they don't have a business background as a tool to procrastinate and you know, if you are passionate about something changing, just write about that. And it tends to become clear. Like once you look at the problems, you're, what, what a company is, is solving. So the steps kind of become clear. Um, so it's just a little tangent on business plans. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, so Daniel and I did not have the skills. I mean, he did because when he started the company, he was really doing legal work. So although it was a different type of legal work than he was trained for, it what you know, he still sort of had some awareness and to credit him as well although he is a lawyer he was doing like IP law it was, it's totally different he had to completely self-teach and seek out a lot of mentorship with other lawyers he knew from his firm um, but he figured it out and he learned on the job and then for me you know I had only really worked in finance and I, I felt pretty strong when it came to building the products because I did a lot of chemistry in my undergrad and I just also personally had a deep understanding of natural products and this whole world. But in terms of navigating the retail environment, you know, setting up production, all of that, I had no idea. And I literally would just Google things constantly mm-hmm. and get things wrong and then learn from that and mess things up pretty quickly and then adapt. And the second we were able to start hiring people, we did. But even with that, 
our first team members, they, we, we hired people who were just smart, interested, amazing people who hadn't necessarily worked in the field before or done anything remotely close to this. And we're like, okay, let's figure this out together. And that's sort of how our early team was set up. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure at that point, like people who you did hire on, they had to do a lot of different roles, right? It's like, yeah, you're, you're going to work in sales or marketing, but there's also many other roles that you're going to have to pick up the slack on because everyone it's a small team. Do, <laughs> everyone had to do everything. And even now, and you know, we're still relative, uh, rel- considering the size of our company, we're a relatively small team. We're 25 people. And people are always kind of shocked about that because, you know, if you look at our peers in the space, they have much larger teams, but I think it's the mindset. I think it's because everyone who joined the team, their first intro to the business was having to take on a task they had never even heard of before and then having to really adapt and wear a lot of hats. And so it's just bred some really efficient people. Like I think, you know, one team member does the work of three people Mm -hmm. on my team and it's, it's just the way that they think about things and how quick they are to, to mess things up and how proactive they are about learning different ways of going about things. So in the earlier days of your business, when it was just a small team of two or three or four of you, what were some of the key strategies or methods that you were using in order to get more brand exposure and ultimately to make more sales? Do you know what was gaining traction for beekeepers? I do. I mean, first of all, perfecting the product we we have a really great product and you know when people use it they tend they fall in love with it and so I think be in love with whatever product or service it is you're selling mm-hmm. um, because you have to be obsessive about it and really perfect it and make something you can stand behind forever and you know we really took the time to do that I spent so much time and I still do on sourcing on formulation I'm very very close with our chem team um, it's it's a big part of my life. And so perfecting the product was a huge thing. But in terms of getting out there, I literally would go on LinkedIn. I would creep like different store people who work at different stores. Like how I, how we originally got into Whole Foods was I, I LinkedIn messaged every single Whole Foods buyer. And I eventually found somebody who runs a territory and I sent him a fruit basket and wrote this long letter about all the things in the fruit basket that are bee pollinated and what would happen if we lost bees. Um, and then shared a little bit about my story and sent him products and he ended up getting back to me. So it's a lot, it, for me, it was like a lot of LinkedIn creeping, reaching out to both stores and press mediums. And then something that really helped us build up a following as a brand was I knew that influencers wouldn't really care about us and you know we we were not in a position where we had any money to start with digital marketing and um I just didn't have the capacity to figure that out at that time and so what I did was I reached out to brand sort of aspirational brands brands that had a great product had an audience that I think would be really interested in us and were much much bigger and I explained to them the social component of our brand and the fact that their products maybe wouldn't exist if the bees didn't exist anymore so a great an example of this is purely elizabeth it's a granola company they're mostly u.s based so i don't know if if our canadian listeners have tried them but they're a very big granola company they use things like blueberries and almonds and a lot of bee pollinated ingredients and i reached out to the founder and explained to her how her product and company would not exist if we lost the bees and what i'm doing and i'd love to do a collaboration and she was like yeah that makes sense you have a great social component. I think our audience would really like that. And so I was able to do 
these collaborations focused on the social component with much larger brands. And that was a great way to introduce ourselves to a group of people who were already actively engaged in the wellness conversation and looking for something sustainable. And then also it was a great way. And, you know, our mission is twofold. It's to change people's health and give them tools to really thrive and also have impact in our environment. And we work really closely with the Canadian Bee Research Fund and UC Davis, and it's just a core part of our mission. And so I was able to support the cause that I really care about and at the same time get the company out there with having no marketing budget. Mm, So many good tips there. Yeah, I feel like, um, number one, get creative in the early days, right? Like you said, you were thinking outside the box and thought, okay, what other brands and businesses can I partner with? And how can I share a story with them rather than just reaching out and saying, hey, would you like to partner? Like that is really what set you apart and just getting scrappy like you were sharing with getting on LinkedIn and finding the Whole Foods buyers. Like not often do big opportunities just land in your inbox without you doing anything. And this goes for anybody, no matter where you're at in your business. Like you need to put yourself out there. You need to do a lot of seed planting in order to harvest anything at the end of the day. So I love to hear you share that story. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think big opportunities ever, at least in my experience, ever land in anyone's inbox. And it no. really was two things. It was like, I can really easily kind of condense this. It was just being a hustler and going out there and putting yourself out there and reaching out to people who really have no reason to talk to you and continuing to do it even when you get no response or a no or a get away from me you're a stalker whatever it is just continuing to do that and then the other thing was making yourself valuable to somebody bigger than you so like these brands I was reaching out to I wasn't just like hey you've never heard of me and don't care about my product let's do a partnership like they didn't care about beekeepers naturals they've never tried our product I was like, you know what, your brand does this, here's a social, here's a story about a social component that you could really get behind. Your audience is interested in sustainability. I think they would be really receptive to a campaign like this. I'll handle all the details. I'll make it so easy for you. All you have to do is put your name on it and look like a good guy. And so thinking about with other partners, how can you become an asset to them, make their life easier and give them something they're looking for? Mm, So true. Yeah. Always positioning those types of pitch emails as like, okay, here's what's in it for you rather than being self-focused. So I think that's a really good learning opportunity. Uh, Why don't you take us to kind of where Beekeepers Naturals is at today? So maybe just paint a picture of like how many stores you're in, what's your product line, what's the team look like? Just give us a general overview of how far you've come. Yeah. So I mean, it was pretty quick growth. So 2018, there were three of us. It was myself, Daniel, and Dahlia, who um, she works in operations, and now she's a pretty senior member of the ops team, and she's incredible. But it was three of us, and then the by the end of 2019, we were at, I think, like 20, and now it's early 2020, and we're 25 people, um, and we're growing, and And that's just really exciting. It's just been kind of crazy going from like doing everything yourself to having these brilliant people who are so good at things who can like share that journey with you. Um, So that's like a a very big thing for me. And then just company wise. So we are in Canada. We're in, you know, a couple hundred stores. We're in Whole Foods across Canada. Um, You can find us coast to coast. We're really everywhere. And then in the U.S., we're mostly direct to consumer we're actually doing a national launch with Whole Foods in the U.S. this year. So that is like a big, big thing for us. Um, but we've, we've been the number one over-the-counter cold and flu product on Amazon for a while now. And 
yeah, we've just, we've just grown a lot. We're, we're a favorite medicine cabinet essential. That is so exciting. And just to even hear you say things like you're the number one cold and flu product, that is a massive milestone. So congratulations. Um, do you ever think about like what you want the five or 10 year plan to be? Do you have visions for new products or the type of growth you'd like to see? Um, or are you really just kind of in the thick of the day to day of running this business? A hundred percent have a vision for it. So I mean, I think I, I had a vision from very early on. I had I didn't ever know it would get this big. Um, so that that's been incredible. But I've always had a vision for it. And then something really important when you go out to raise money and we've raised funds, you have to have a product pipeline and a long term plan. So we have like a very clear sort of stages of growth, product pipeline. It it's all like, you know, very, very mapped out and I'm the one who does all of that. Um, and of course, with like feedback from all of the amazing people I work with, but ultimately it's, it's being like so clear with your vision and that's really the only way you can get investors. Mm-hmm. So exciting. So at this point, your position is really still the CEO and founder. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so what does a day in your life look like at this point? Like, are you spending a lot of time just thinking and visioning for the future of the company? Do you have like a ton of PR and media? Are you wearing all the hats? I'd love to know, like, what do you spend your focus on right now? So I still wear a lot of hats. I always say that my job changes every six months. If I even get to the six month mark, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I started, it was like literally, product development. And then it was building the supply chain to bring these products I developed to market. And then, you know, when I, when we're raising money, my whole job, not my whole job, but a huge percentage of time is spent fundraising, deck building. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking to investors. So it's, it's always very different, but right now I was just telling you before we started recording how much traveling I'm doing. Um, so I'm, you know, doing a national launch with Whole Foods is a lot. So we're launching with Whole Foods locations all across the U.S. So I'm spending a lot of time working with our sales team, um, strategizing on like product rollout, on displays in store, working really closely with Whole Foods. So that's taking up a lot of my time right now. I'm also spending a lot of time in press and media. And I probably spend... I mean, we have our team creative call weekly, and that's a call that's scheduled for an hour, but often goes way, way over. So that's a time where we, I, I strategize and brainstorm a lot with my team just about you know, what we need to do to be driving the company forward. And then I would say probably every night and every moment that I'm not talking to somebody else, I'm strategizing. Like That's the thing about running a business, at least for me, you can never really switch it off it's like, it's my baby. It's always there. And so I'm always thinking about what it means. Mm. And I'm happy to do that. And I I love it so much. And it's really like a great joy for me. But that's why I say to people, I think we're in this era of glorified entrepreneurs. Like we think, you know, show like Sharks Tank and Dragon's Den. Entrepreneurship is all of a sudden sexy when it never was. And the reality of entrepreneurship is it's not sexy. It's really hard work. You never really clock out or switch off. At least I don't. And most of my entrepreneur friends don't either. Um, and so you have to really love what it is you're doing, the mission behind it, the products you have, and the people you're working with. And I'm very fortunate to love those things. But I think before you start a business, you have to really critically think about how to make it sort of 
your happy place in every respect from mm-hmm. team to product to whatever, because you will spend all your time doing it and you'll love spending all your time doing it, but you'll, you'll only love spending all your time doing it. If it's, if you really take the time to ensure that what you're doing is authentic to you and what you want and what you care about in this world. Mm-hmm. And like you said before, just really knowing your why, because at the end of the day, if you're trading in a nine to five for a 24 seven job that never shuts down, like you said, you better be deeply connected to why you're doing this so that you don't hit a roadblock or hit a challenge and just say like, screw this. Why am I wasting all my time? So it's a, a good reminder to always revisit every few months. Like why the heck am I spending all my time on this? And it sounds like you've got that. So in managing your day-to-day life right now, is there some sort of business tool or a resource that you can't live without that you want to recommend to the listeners? Yeah. So my whole team, we use Notion. It's just a really great sort of project management tool. It's really fun. You can have visuals in there. The creatives on my team love it and the analytical people on my team really love it as well. So we use Notion. We're on Slack every day. We have some team members that are working remotely. So we're all in communication all the time. Um, I really rely on Slack. And then, yeah, between Notion and Slack are really what I use to organize my life. And then, of course, my calendar. Um, And, you know, now at this stage, I have an assistant. And so I think when your company gets that stage, having somebody who is brilliant and capable of seeing a big picture and organizing it when you get, you know, a thousand requests a day for different things is really key. I I probably waited a little bit longer than I should have to bring um, an assistant on as a team member. And I wish I had done it earlier. It's, It's incredible when you find someone you can truly trust and rely on. Mm, yeah, I bet that's a game changer just in managing your your creative energy and like just getting rid of a lot of those admin tasks that are eating sure. up a lot of time at the end of the day. Um, and I, I know for a lot of listeners, you know, a lot of people are sort of in an earlier stage of their business. I did not. I mean, having an assistant is a recent development for me. Yes. But before that, and, and I didn't really do this, but I have a lot of friends who did. I have a lot of friends who very successfully relied on virtual assistants and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, much more affordable and there's a lot that can get done there. Um, so that, so if you do have like any kind of budget for that, it can be really helpful. But if you don't, I didn't either. And I used, you know, I used Asana and Trello at different times. I like Notion the best and then Slack's just great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really good tips. Now, as someone who's always focused on a growth mindset, is there a business skill that you're currently trying to learn more about to make you a better founder and CEO of this company? Yeah. So I don't know if this is a business skill per se, but I'm really trying to focus on, I guess it is, on um, balance. And I use the word surrender, but by surrender, I mean, surrender is like a more beautiful way to say delegation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying, it's, I'm very, very type A and especially, you know, having started the company in a place where I had no choice, but to do everything, it can be really hard for me to let go of certain things that just don't make sense for me to be doing anymore. Um, and so it's a real practice for me and it's, it's, it's a very silly thing because there are people who are much more equipped to be doing these things and incredibly capable and, um, you know, it, it, there's just no reason for me to fill up time when it could be more efficiently used, but really letting go and learning to, you know, in a supportive way, pass things off. And then balance. I am not good with balance and I run a wellness company and I think it's so important and I want to set the example for my team. I don't want anyone on my team to ever feel like they're 
you know, burnt out or not happy because they're making personal life sacrifices. And so I'm trying (laughs) to model that a little bit and just carve out time for myself. And I'm doing that with, you know, in little ways like carving out social time and, and trying really hard to not cancel social plans if I've made commitments because that's, you know, traditionally always been the first thing to go for me. And little things like yoga and meditation are, are great tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like that is a whole other can of worms. I've experienced it. And I, a lot of my business owner friends, it's the the social plans being such a challenge to keep on your schedule when you feel it's so, so overwhelmed with work and, and then coming to a point where you feel like I'm sick of being that person that cancels everything. And I don't want to be known as that, but I think it's definitely a, a problem that a lot of entrepreneurs are solving for at any it's, given day. <laughs> it's so easily, it's so easy to totally isolate yourself. Oh yeah. It's and crazy. it becomes can, normal yeah. to you. <laughs> oh my gosh. It totally, becomes, I feel like for two years, I kind of did that, <laughs> Yeah, which is not, it's not good and it's not good for everyone. And it's not how I want my team to function. So, no. you know, I, it's, I'm not going to swing in the other direction, but taking little steps and and making a commitment to spend X amount of time a week with friends and that sort of thing is really important. Absolutely. So let's get into one final question. I ask this to all of our visionary life guests. So for someone who's listening to this podcast, who's kind of yearning to start a business, but they don't yet have clarity on their idea, what would you offer them or tell them or suggest to them to help them get one step further towards maybe pulling this project out of their head and creating something? Mm, So, okay, this is a great question. So clarity on the idea, I would really dig in. I would, you know, I like to do a lot of lists. Like I'm always making spreadsheets or even, you know, depending on what I have in front of me, if I'm like on the subway, it's on my phone or whatever, Um, pen and paper, whatever you want to use. It's really great to make lists of specifically what your hurdles are. Because, you know, sometimes people find that their hurdles are very much internal. For me, a lot of my hurdles were or, you know, my personal narrative, um, self-doubt, that sort of thing. Other times it's making a list and really a sort of going through what you need and what you don't. You can be very clear on what you need to make, to bring this to life. And then all of a sudden you have your first move. So it sounds really basic, but make getting very, very clear and really spending time thinking through what you need and what you don't to bring this to life. And then, you know, making sub lists from that, from the things that you need what's accessible, what, what's going to move the needle the most. And I like to rank things. I do like some pretty crazy spreadsheets with this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can use, like, I've, I've used anything to make these, but really getting clear on, like, when you break things down in that way, the path tends to unfold. And so even sometimes we think that we know what we need, we know what we don't. Going through the things that we think we need and then, the small things that we need in order to facilitate the next steps with what we do need and just getting like really detailed there. It's that ends up if you get detailed enough becoming an action plan in itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think really at the end of the day, it's just about bringing the idea out of your head. And like you said, listing it or putting it onto paper so that it's not just all floating around your brain and so conceptual. All you have to do is get it out and start seeing what will that journey look like if I need to take the next step and if I need to take a step after that. So I think that's a super good tip. And once you get it out of you, at least again, in my experience with a lot of people I've spoken to, you start to see that a lot of the barriers are self-imposed. Yeah. 
yeah, it's crazy how much our mindset or just limiting beliefs can prevent us from taking any action at all. And at the end of the day, starting a business is just small action steps on a consistent and frequent basis. And that's how you start to build something. So yeah, I really love to hear you share that tip. Um, so Carly, if people want to learn more about you or they want to get some Beekeepers Naturals products and want to find out more, where are the best places to send them? Yeah. So all of our, our information is available online at beekeepersnaturals.com. We also have an epic blog. We cover everything from nuanced health subjects to product related questions to sustainability. So it's, it's really cool. I find myself reading our blog very regularly. Um, we're also on all of the social media platforms. So we're on Facebook, our Instagram is beekeepers underscore naturals. Um, and yeah, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story on the show. And I was just doing an Instagram story before jumping on with you saying how I always have propolis in my desk beside me. I think I first found out about you maybe two years ago at a CHFA conference. And I have constantly kept one of those spray tubes in my desk since then. So it's really cool to chat with you and, and finally know the person behind the brand. So thank you so much for sharing your story on the podcast. And thanks for doing all that you do. Thank you so much for allowing me to share and creating this amazing, amazing platform to help inspire other people. This is so much fun. Awesome. Thanks, Carly. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So if you could help me out by rating and reviewing this show on your iTunes app, I would be so grateful. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories. Just make sure to tag me at Kelsey Bridal. If you're feeling stuck, uninspired, stagnant, bored, or confused in what your next step should be, it's time to take action. Please reach out because I would love to connect with you. I'll catch you in the next episode.